listening to For Your Joy, a podcast provided by New King Church, where we seek to restore your faith in a world of discouragement. If you want to find out more about New King or learn how you can get connected with our network of like-minded churches in Burlington, Vermont, and surrounding areas, check us out at newkingchurch.com. Well, hey, it's good to have you here on the For Your Joy podcast. My name is Lucius Guthrie. I'm the worship pastor at New King Church in South Burlington, Vermont. I'm joined here by Ben Preston, the lead pastor. What's up? What's up? Uh, Lead pastor and planting pastor, New King. uh, Faithful pastor here for about five years, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the life of New King. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, we are excited about today's episode. Um, as you heard, uh, may have heard in our discussion last week, we wanted to take some time uh, and think through Good Friday, reflect on this week, this, this Passion Week, Holy Week, as we see Christ moving toward the cross um, and specifically think about the nature of Good Friday and what is happening on this day that we remember Christ being crucified. Um, we have uh, a lot of things we might want to accomplish in this discussion today, so uh, we'll see where it goes. We trust that uh, the Lord is going to lead us. Um, but one thing I'm excited about is it is Easter weekend, which means the weather is starting to be pretty good mm-hmm. here in South Burlington. It's like, what, 50 outside right now? Yeah. Wow. It's so nice. Rained a little bit, but it's, uh, yeah, it looks amazing. Yep. That's easily the thing I'm most excited about for today. Mm. Actually, I'm probably more excited about this episode. But mm. some things we want to accomplish today as during this discussion um, is help think about the the nature of the cross and really spend some time reflecting on uh, its necessity for us and for uh, the accomplishment of the destruction of sin in God's plan. Um, and there are going to be a lot of different doctrines that we kind of hit on because we think it is really valuable uh, to make sure that we understand these things from a biblical perspective so that we truly can have joy and celebrate the the accomplishment that um, that Christ did and and when we don't understand those correctly, sometimes our view of grace and view of mercy and love of God is diminished and so we really have to understand, what Christ accomplished. Um, anything to add to that, Ben, before we get into the discussion of why we why we want to do this? Well, I just think about the command to love the Lord your God with, with all your mind. We think a lot about loving the Lord with all of our heart, uh, with all of our soul, but also we're to love the Lord with all of our mind, and and so that requires some mental work yeah right to learn um and 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 i think as we increase in the knowledge of of biblical doctrines uh 
it does feed into the love mm, in good. our hearts yeah, as well. So I think this is very valuable. Um, under, the more we understand, um, the more we will love the Lord. Yeah, that's good. I think so many times it's easy for us to, when we're reflecting on Easter, the resurrection, reflecting on um, just the nature of salvation, we think about the more positive things, right? Now, the fact that we are united uh, with Christ and have fellowship and communion with God our Father um, and are and are saved from our shame, right? We can mm-hmm. walk away from those things and our guilt has mm-hmm. been taken away. Um, and those are all great and really helpful mm-hmm. and joyful things. Um, but if those are only th- the only things that we're thinking about, we are diminishing the scope of the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess, Ben, my first question that I want us to really jump into is what what did we, or do we rather, need to be saved from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the, that is the most important question. You know, as we think about Good Friday, what traditionally the church does is we reflect on the sufferings of Christ and uh, we, we consider his, his arrest mm-hmm. and false accusation uh, we, that he was, that, that they spit in his face and slapped him and mocked him, that he was beaten, that he was whipped, that his flesh was torn. Um, we reflect on these things on Good Friday, on his sufferings. And the question that really matters is why? Mm. Why did he have to go through all of that horrific yeah. suffering. Mm. And that and that is that that question. What was it that he needed to save us from and why was it so horrific? Mm-hmm. Um and and the answer the answer to to that is that he was saving us from the wrath of God. Mm. He was saving us from the wrath of God. My uh, my mind goes to John three, thirty six. John three thirty six says this: Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So when the Bible says, when the Bible talks about a person um, believing in Christ and then receiving eternal life, what it is saying is that that person no longer has God's wrath hanging over Mm -hmm. them. But when a person has not yet done that, the wrath of God is remaining on Hmm. them. Yeah. Yeah. So in a, in a, yeah, in short, that's what Jesus was saving us from, and we'll we want to dig into that a lot more. What is wrath? Uh, why wrath? You know that that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's so helpful to see the wording of that because it's not okay. You're presented with Christ and His salvation that He offers, and if you accept it, 
then great. There's this storehouse of grace, you know, for you. And, and if you deny it, then, oh, okay, well, then God is going to place his wrath on you. No, if you deny it, then, okay, you're just in the same state that you always have been. Yes. Which is this state of God's wrath mm-hmm. remaining on you. Mm-hmm. And so where did, where did wrath come from? Mm-hmm. Right. Was, was God's wrath, um, a response to something, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, first of all, we should know that God is holy, mm-hmm. right? He is, um, holy, holy, holy. It says yeah. in Isaiah six and so the angels, the, the seraphim are flying there around the throne declaring this god is that god is holy 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 and because he is holy um he must hate sin mm. and all that is evil right in, in the same way that um that i that i would hate cancer that that mm. comes in to destroy a body yeah right he is holy and therefore he hates sin and and so when when human beings fell into sin or stepped into sin or however you want to put it at the fall yeah <laughs> willingly chose sin yeah um it it incurred the wrath the just wrath of god or um my definition for wrath would be his just punitive anger. Mm. His just punitive anger. So so it's just. In other words, it's it's deserved. Yeah. He's is he is justified in being angry towards sin, mm-hmm. towards our rebellion against him. Um it's punitive, meaning that it is it's an active wrath that will end in punishment. Mm. He doesn't just internalize it and steam all by himself. Now he waits and there is patience and we we could talk about that, but it will result in action. It's punitive. There will be punishment because of it. Mm -hmm. And it's anger. There's no sugarcoating that. Yeah. Right. Like it makes him boil. Yeah. It's, it's just, we deserve it. The sin deserves it. It's, justified it's punitive it will result in action there will be punishment for it mm-hmm. and it's anger yeah so immediately where my mind is going is that this is uncomfortable yeah right yeah it's not fun to think about these things yeah it in a in a way it feels wrong right to expand mm-hmm. on these things and think about god our loving father to have these kinds of characteristics and qualities um obviously it is so important though for us to understand this and to have this right perspective um i'm so grateful for uh one good good musicians and worship leaders but two ones who are also good bible teachers because if you know about the gettys Mm-hmm. Uh, and Stuart Town in the right a ton of amazing hymns and one I mean their most famous one is in Christ alone and there's that line right till on the cross as Jesus died the wrath of God was satisfied mm. and people have come to them I know at least once maybe a couple times 
um, in the last 20 years since they wrote it and have said, hey, you know, we love this song. We, we'd love to change this line, though. I know one of the one of the leading ones that people have always presented was uh, like instead of the wrath of God was satisfied, it's the love of God was magnified or glorified or something like that, mm. uh, which is true, right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing untrue about God's love being magnified mm-hmm. on the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, but we see, I think, in, in and I know we've talked a lot about this progressive idea of... Um, you know, changing the nature of, of the gospel to almost fit a, a current worldview. Why is it so dangerous to, to remove this idea of God's wrath when mm. we think about, um, when we're th- reflecting on Good Friday? Man, yeah. This is such a big deal. Um, believing that what Jesus saved us from was the wrath of God is at the core of the true gospel. Mm. That is foundational. And so when someone tries to remove that, I've had people, no one at our church now, but but people who have been uh, to New King in the past have, have really questioned this doctrine and said, I can't, I, you know, I, I believe everything that you talk about except... I just can't get with this whole wrath of God thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, a, it is a very common doctrine throughout the scriptures. And, I mean, the book of Romans alone talks about the wrath of God um, in almost every chapter leading up yeah. to, like, chapter 8. Um, the wrath of God is... is <laughs> If you take, if you remove the wrath of God from the gospel and say, this is what the progressive Christian gospel, which is a false gospel, says. It says, we're not saved from the wrath of God. Um, we're saved from our own shame. Mm. We're saved from that. And our, it's, our, it's the shame that our sin causes that separates us from God. Mm. But that's, that's complete, that's heretical doctrine. Yeah. Right. The wrath of God, the doctrine of the wrath of God says, no, no, no. What separates us from God is that our sin brings about judgment, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Just judgment. And it's just an idea that frankly, modern people struggle with, but it hasn't always been the case. I mean, yeah. we're, we are progressively in the West getting away from um, this fear of God. Fear mm-hmm. of God is rooted yeah. in believing this, right? And yeah. uh, Proverbs 9, 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. You can't even have any kind of wisdom without that, yeah. without a fear of God. And if God doesn't have wrath for sin, then what are you afraid of? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So, um, it, yeah, it, it's at the very foundation of the gospel that, that Christ, Christ died to save us from himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we're saying here. Yeah. Is that uh, we were enemies mm-hmm. because of our sin. He was wrathful 
toward us because of our sin. And he, and in his grace, he took the punishment that we deserved. Right. And, and so, yeah, it's, it is, it is, uh, uncomfortable in some ways, but it's really uncomfortable because of the cultural waters that we swim in. That's something that we're just very unfamiliar with really thinking about a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. I love the verse that really helps shape this idea of fear. It says, don't fear the ones who can harm the body, even kill the body, Mm. uh, but can't touch the soul, Mm. but rather fear the one who can cast both soul and body into hell. Yeah. Right. And that, Mm. uh, we, we fear such minimal things, uh, but fail to fear the one who should be feared, who has such great power, uh, over everything. Right. And in, in whose wrath is just, if he gets to the point of pouring it out on us, if we Mm -hmm. so deserve, uh, which we do before being found in Christ and praise the Lord that we don't because of atonement, Mm -hmm. uh, which we will definitely get into. So God's wrath is towards sin. Mm -hmm. I think it would be helpful to just briefly touch on the idea of sin and more than just, you know, maybe what it is, but you and I, Ben, have had conversations about this, the scope of sin and how truly uh, defiling it is for Mm. ourselves, for the people around us. Um, Why is sin so uh, wicked? Mm. Well, there's a few ways of answering that. Um, the first way I think of answering that is sin is so wicked because God is so holy. Mm. Um, and uh, one way of thinking about that is that it's uh, when you have to understand who the, the offense is against in order to be able to understand why the offense is so great. So for example, if, if I stole a pen off of out of your console while we were you know riding in the car and I just decided I like that pen I'm gonna take that pen yeah um I there I don't know if you would press charges but if you pressed charges there probably wouldn't be a whole lot of consequence for that theft Mm -hmm. um it would be wrong right but if I took the president of the United States pen off of his desk in the Oval Office mm. that had been passed down from president to president to yeah. president. If I stole that pen um, because of the office, because of the, um, be- because of the position yeah. there that the president holds, now my, the same, the same um, offense is much greater, Right. And, and we're talking about an infinitely holy God. Yeah. And so sin is wicked because God is so holy. Yeah. So that's, I think, the starting point. And then I think it's helpful to understand what sin is. I love New City Catechism's definition of sin, that it's 
rejecting or ignoring God in the mm. world he created. It's not yeah. doing or being what he requires in his law. Yeah. So sin is the audacity to be... Cre- it's, we're created by this holy God, yeah. given life by this holy God, sustained by this holy God, living in his world that he designed and created... And sin is the audacity to ignore him and reject him Mm. and say, I don't care what you say or what you want. I'm going to do it my way. Yeah. Even though you made me, you're keeping me alive. You made this whole world that I'm enjoying. Yeah. So I think those are the two ways that I, that I, that I think are really helpful for us to understand why it's so serious. Yeah. Man, ignoring Mm-hmm. Sin is can be so passive mm-hmm. sometimes, yeah, and we mm-hmm. don't think about it, right? Our hidden faults mm-hmm. are doing the same thing. I mean, there's you look at Leviticus. There are specific offerings for unintentional sins. Yeah, right? most of them. Most of them, mm-hmm. because we're so wicked to the core. Yeah, that it's just continually happening um, many times without our understanding. Mm-hmm. And our knowledge, and that's it take, that. Also takes us to Romans one, which Romans one, starting in verse eighteen, um, he says, he says, um, oh, not not eighteen. Sorry, where is it? Oh yeah, that is eighteen. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Mm. against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. That's yeah. ignoring it, right? Mm-hmm. Suppressing it, pushing it down. I'm not and the wrath of God yeah. is revealed toward that. Mm-hmm. And he goes on to say that what what we the way that we suppress the truth is we don't acknowledge God. We don't honor him and we don't give thanks to him. Yeah. Right? That's just like ignoring him in the world that he created. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to mention just two verses that um, I think are are crucial to remember when we think about this idea of sin. And many have heard them before, um, but they really do just help us give a good perspective. And the first is Romans 3, 23, saying, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that leaves no one out right? All have mm-hmm. sinned. Mm-hmm. We fall short of this holiness that we've been talking about. And then you go to Romans six twenty three, and we see that the wages of sin is death. Mm-hmm. So we've all sinned. We established mm-hmm. that so clearly mm-hmm. against God, against his holiness. And because of that, we all must pay with what? Death. Mm-hmm. So there is this payment for sin that has to be done. Mm-hmm. The wages of sin and its death. And so I think that gives us a really good jumping point to understand this nature of atonement and the payment for the sin that we all have caused, this this payment of death. And so when we reflect on Good Friday, when we think about the cross, how does atonement play a part? Yeah. Um, so in God's mercy, in his out of his grace, God provides a way for sin to be paid for. Sin, 
this sin that is against a holy, holy, holy God. Mm-hmm. Um, that I'm reading through Leviticus right now in my in my daily quiet time, and it's so helpful to be totally honest with you. When I started Leviticus, I was not excited. I was like, <laughs> ah, Leviticus, it's a hard book. Yeah. Um, it's all about the sacrificial system and rules surrounding that. But it has been so good yeah. because as you read through it, you're, re- you're seeing how God sees sin. He, he calls it, he says that sin is defiling. It defiles mm-hmm. us. It even defiles the clothes we're wearing. Yeah. You know, it defiles, um, it even defiled the, the holy place and the altar and the, and the tabernacle because it was in the midst of sinful people. Yeah. Like it spreads it defiles it. Uh, it's unclean. It is mm-hmm. abominable. It's, you know, you see all these things, but in God's grace, he takes even that, even that wickedness. And yeah. he says, I'm going to provide a way for you to be forgiven. Mm. And, and a way that of course, because he's perfect and because he's holy, it's a way that he can forgive the sin and still be holy, and still be just. Yeah. Um, and and what we learn in Leviticus seventeen is actually what I was reading this morning in my in my quiet time. He says in in Leviticus seventeen eleven that the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar. That seems to even be a like. Uh, a foreshadowing of the cross. Mm. I have given it the blood for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. Mm. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. So it's that verse that, um, that the writer of Hebrews will later point back to in Hebrews 9 and say, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Mm. And then if we just kind of think back on the narrative, the story of the Bible, we're going to see that over and over again, right? When Adam and Eve sin, they clothe themselves with uh, fig leaves, but God Uh, kills an animal, right? And, And gives them another covering. Yeah from the skin of the animal, but it's more than just a covering of their bodies. It is a covering for their sin. And then mm-hmm. the very next story right after that is Cain and Abel. And, um, and it says that Cain tries bringing as his offering to the Lord, the first, the, the fruit of the ground or, you know, some crops that he had grown, mm-hmm. but Abel brought from his herd or from his flock. He brought an animal. And Abel's sacrifice was accepted and Cain's was not. Mm. So uh, right there, I mean, in the very next story of the Bible, we see it again. The shedding of blood is the acceptable sacrifice. So um, over and over again, we see it. But but this is what God has done is he sets up a sacrificial system where, um, where bulls or goats or a lamb... Uh, can be sacrificed, and the blood of that animal can can be shed as mm. payment for the sin. Yeah, which we we can dig into a little bit more as to like why did that satisfy him? But that's essentially what God provides. Yeah. Wow. So why then 
is it Christ's blood that must be shed? Because mm-hmm. uh, we see in Acts when um, Peter stands up and says, the blood of bulls and goats, right? Mm. They weren't actually paying for this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It was a part of this system that the Lord has set up. Mm-hmm. And so what is so special here about Christ's blood? Well, I mean, um, he is God. Mm. So it is actually divine blood. He is man. And so his blood, um, his life counts as a, a ransom right, for humans, because he is human, mm-hmm. and a ransom is the price of a life for another. Yeah. But his life is also divine, and so his blood is perfect, it is eternal, um, it, is, it is absolutely perfect, it is spotless. It's that holy, holy, holy God's blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when God... when in the, in the old sacrificial system, if you sin, you have to offer an animal sacrifice, right? And that, that blood, the Lord, God allowed that blood to cover that sin. But as soon as you sin again, hmm. that sacrifice is no longer uh, applicable, yeah. right? You have to bring another one. Mm-hmm. And so there's this continual um, sacrifices that had to be made um, because... The, the blood of an animal isn't really sufficient for a total cleansing. Yeah. yeah. And, and Hebrews 9 gets all into that. I think we, uh, I, I would encourage folks to, to dig into Hebrews 9 if they mm-hmm. want to go deeper on like the blood of Christ and how it's sufficient to cleanse for sins once and for all, not just, you know, not just your past sins, but like every sin, past, present, future. Yeah. Yeah. So Isaiah 53 um, is a really prominent chapter uh, in Scripture, helping us understand who this servant is of God who is going to accomplish these things, Mm -hmm. right? And one of my favorite verses in here, right? It's it's going through talking about um, the appearance of Christ in while he is suffering and in the rejection that he's going to be, uh, that he's going to suffer. And, um, but here in verse 10, there's this, there's this verse that I think stands out so much to understand this idea of atonement in, in payment, just payment for sin. It says the Lord was pleased to crush him severely when you make him a mm. guilt offering he will see his seed he will prolong his days and by his hand the lord's pleasure will be accomplished and i think mm. you can take that and we were even talking about this uh, a little bit you can take this a, a couple different ways one this is just the satisfaction of the payment for this sin and that's what pleases the lord right it pleases him that there is this right payment that's being satisfied uh, for the wrath that he has against this sin. But also, it's a different kind of pleasure and pleases him a different way because now the way that it was atoned, the way that it was paid for, can bring other people 
into the kingdom. Mm -hmm. So it's twofold, right? It does accomplish this wrath. It does accomplish the payment, this wage for sin, Mm -hmm. the death that was needed, Mm -hmm. but also does it in such a way where the scope of it covers another goal. Mm -hmm. And that's to bring other people in and they can have that atonement payment cover their payment for them to now be justified. Mm. Man. Yeah. So good. So there's this one more doctrine that you mentioned that one that is maybe not something we think about a lot, Mm. but I think it's helpful. Imputation, Mm -hmm. the idea of imputing the sin on one sacrifice and maybe something being imputed in return. I'm going to let you get into that. So what is this Mm. idea of imputation and how does it relate to this discussion of Good Friday? Man, yeah. The doctrine of imputation. So, so good. Um, So yesterday morning in Leviticus, uh, I was reading in, I was reading about the Day of Atonement. And once a year, God decrees that there would be a day of atonement where um, all of the sins of the people could be covered. Mm-hmm. And, and so on this day of atonement, um, Aaron, the, the priest, would have to offer the sacrifice of a bull to make atonement for himself and for his family and so that he could just be cleansed and be acceptable to even perform the rest of it, right? Mm. But then atone the atonement for all of the people takes place through what's been referred to as a scapegoat. They would <clears throat> take this goat and the goat um would the the priest would put his hands on the head of this live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people and all their transgressions and all their sins it says in Leviticus 16:21 mm-hmm. and then it, and then it says in, in verse 22 the goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself mm-hmm. to a remote area and then they let this thing go in the wilderness wow so it's this picture of the people's sins being transferred, and that's yeah. where that word imputed, their their sins are being transferred or imputed or credited to this goat. Yeah. God just mercifully allows this, and then the goat leaves, and it's this picture of their sins being taken away, like removed from mm. them. Yeah. And so that is such an awesome picture of imputation, of, of um, like me taking my sins off of me and placed on this sacrifice yeah. so that my sins can be taken away. And the doctrine of imputation is that when Christ hung on the cross, he was the scapegoat. Yeah. He took... He, we can, when we put our trust in him, when we believe in him, we are taking our sins off of ourselves and imputing them, putting them onto Christ on the cross. Yeah. First Peter 2, 24, it says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree Mm -hmm. so that 
having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. Yeah, and I think it's so helpful. I'm so glad that this, that the Lord just brought this doctrine to your mind mm-hmm. these last couple of days as we were yes. preparing to, yes. to, to talk through these things. Because, because I think there's so much you can reflect on this weekend leading up to the resurrection as you, as you picture Christ mm. on the cross. But I think that just brings a whole nother level of reflection when you see him on the cross, when you actively think about all of your sin mm-hmm. in his body mm-hmm. at that moment mm. and understanding that it has been taken away from you mm-hmm. just as he would lay his hands on that goat and transfer mm-hmm. them to him, right? They have been transferred truly from us onto him as he is suffering mm-hmm. and dying and paying that cost. And I think it's so good to reflect on that. And that adds such, and that is the biggest, one of the biggest reasons why we did this, like we talked about at the beginning of the episode, to, to truly understand the place where we were mm. before salvation what we're being saved from right the because good is relative yeah right Mm -hmm. and it's relative to what to bad Mm -hmm. and what was bad Mm -hmm. our position the place we were in the state of our mind and our body and our soul because of the defilement of sin all these things we were talking about and so the goodness of good friday comes in that imputation of removing all of that and placing that on christ Amen. Yeah. You know, it, it circles us back around to the way that reflecting on the wrath of God makes us uncomfortable, but we have to remember something. And that is that the same wrathful God towards sin, Mm. the same holy, holy, holy God who is, who is justly angry toward our sin is the same God who hung on the cross to bear that sin. Yeah. So what we see when we see Christ on the cross is unfathomable grace, right? And you don't understand grace if you don't understand wrath. Grace is it's shallow and empty Mm -hmm. apart from a doctrine of wrath. Like what is the grace offering you if there's not an understanding of God's just punitive anger Mm -hmm. toward our sin. Yeah. Right. So, so now when I, when I understand what my sins really deserve against a holy God, and then I see that that holy, holy, holy God came down, stepped into human history, became a man, lived a holy life, and then went to the cross in order to bear mm. the wrath, yeah. to first take on my sin yeah. in his body and hang there and then absorb all the just punitive anger mm. yeah. for me and for the sins that I've committed, now I see how truly good this God is and how truly gracious he is. Yeah. Well... There's one more question I have. I appreciate all of you sticking with us. It's a little bit longer 
episode than we normally have. Uh, but I want to maybe ask a question that might whet our appetite a little bit for Sunday, for Resurrection Sunday. And I think it's so important for us to take this time to reflect, to remember, to be reverent before God, um, remembering his suffering and sacrifice. But when we think about the idea of imputation, I think there might be more than just the transfer of our sin Mm. to Christ on the cross. Mm. I think it might be a two-way street. That's right. Yeah. So, man, yeah, wonderful. The wonderful mystery of the gospel is Christ in us, the hope of glory. What does that mean? Mm. Christ in us, the hope of glory. What Paul is getting at is not only did imputation mean my sin imputed, credited, transferred to Christ on the cross, but Mm. also Christ's righteousness, his perfect record, Mm. credited and transferred and imputed back to me um, so that he gets treated as my sin deserved, as I deserve, Mm. and now I get treated as his righteous life as he deserved. Wow. That's, that is double imputation, the imputation of sin to Christ, but the imputation of his righteousness to us. Yeah. And no animal sacrifice could have offered that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll close with a passage in Romans 5, really kind of tying a lot of these ideas together. Uh, Starting here in verse 6, it says, For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then? Since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through him from wrath. Mm. And that's exactly what we were just talking about, mm-hmm. right? That the wrath has now does not remain on us. That's right. But it was put on Christ. Mm-hmm. But what is on us is the righteousness mm. that we now gain from Christ. Mm. Well, I hope this discussion helps you Reflect on these ideas. Remember the true gospel and the good doctrine that we can celebrate when reflecting on Good Friday. Um, If you have a place, you can celebrate Christ's resurrection on Sunday. I pray that you would go. If not, you're more than welcome to join us at New King. Uh, but find a place where you can join with other believers, sing to Christ, worship a holy God, and remember his victorious resurrection over death, conquering sin. Amen. Yeah. We'll talk to you guys soon.